The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Gilderland Public Library, its staff, or board of directors. Hello and welcome to the July episode of How Did You Find It at the Gilderland Library. Uh, this month's episode, we will be talking to the Associate Director of the Mohawk Hudson Land Conservancy. We will have a book review and we will have time for just some uh, quick updates and some news um, before we get started. A reminder on the library's hours. In July and August, the library is closed on Sundays. Uh, we are open Monday through Thursday, 9.30 a.m. till 8 p.m. Friday, we're open 9.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. And Saturday, we're open 9.30 to 5 p.m. Um, do remember the farmer's market is happening every Sunday while we are closed uh, in our parking lot. And do remember that it is summer reading and it's summer reading for everyone. All ages can enter to log their reading, reading and win prizes. Okay, and let's see, let's go through a few upcoming events this week, and then we will get on with the rest of our show. So upcoming tomorrow on Saturday, July 22nd is a concert, the three quarter north on Monday, July 24th at 630. There's a virtual event celebrating Pablo Picasso. Tuesday, July 25th at 10 a.m. is drop in knit and stitch and at 6 p.m. we have anime movie night and Wednesday, July 26th is camp horror movie night at 6.30 and that will be, they'll be showing Friday the 13th. It's also my dad's birthday. He will not be attending Friday the 13th. Happy birthday, dad. And next up, we have our interview with Sarah Walsh from the Mohawk Hudson Land Conservancy. Uh, Christina and I just asked her some questions about the conservancy and about, uh, you know, local wildlife. Enjoy. Welcome back. And we are joined now by our guest. Would you please introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Sarah Walsh. I'm the Associate Director for Mohawk Hudson Land Conservancy. Sarah, would you tell us what is the Mohawk Hudson Land Conservancy and what makes it special? Mohawk Hudson Land Conservancy, or as we say for short, MHLC, is a nonprofit organization that works towards land protection and connecting people with nature. So we have 22 public preserves across a three-county region. We started in 1992 and we protect land in Albany, Schenectady, and Montgomery counties. The land preserved by the Mohawk Hudson Land Conservancy is historically indigenous, which you acknowledge on your website. Why is it important, and how does it impact the mission of your organization and the work you do? So the original stewards of the land were the Mohawk and the Mohican people. Back in 2021, we worked really closely with both communities to gain permission to be able to acknowledge them in the work that we do. So the land that we protect was stolen from those folks, to be blunt, and paying homage to them is, you know, the tiniest step in being able to try to mend some of those long-term wounds and also kind of create a bridge to their original existence on the land, their current existence on the land and their future existence on the land. And just to be welcoming and appreciative that it's here and it's in the state it is because they were the original stewards. So I think it's important for all of us to acknowledge that even our home parcels are most likely on land that was stolen from indigenous peoples. And 
acknowledging that is the first step towards a better, happier, more inclusive place. So as part of all of the land that you protect, we saw online that you have 22 preserves that are open to the public. So what is a preserve and what can visitors expect to do or find there? So a preserve is public land, essentially. We own it, but we've opened it to the public. You're free to go there from dawn to dusk. We maintain about 37 miles of trails on those 22 preserves. And, you know, we have everything from people who are walking their dog during lunch to people who are on a jog to do a little cross-country running. We have some trails that are great for mountain biking. And so the 22 preserves are really an awesome way locally to get outside. We saw a huge uptick in use during COVID because people sort of rediscovered that we were the local way to get outside. People couldn't necessarily travel to the Catskills or the Adirondacks because of the pandemic. And being outside was the only safe way for people to get together. So we've really seen a great resurgence in the use of our trails locally. And we hope if you haven't taken a chance to get outside and discover us that you will. You mentioned the website. We just did a reboot of our website in the last year. And there's some great resources on there to be able to discover our preserves. If you're a waterfall hunter, for example, you can find, you know, which preserves have awesome waterfalls. And then we also have this really spectacular map app for your phone. So it really builds confidence for trail users because it keeps you on the trails and, you know, reduces your risk of getting lost. So if you're somebody like me and you struggle with directions sometimes when you're looking at a map, this is right on your phone with a little dot that shows you where exactly where you are on the property, how far you are from your car, those kinds of things. Really easy download from our website to make trail using fun and enjoyable for everyone. That is so cool. I didn't know you guys had an app. I didn't either, but I'll definitely download that. I've definitely been on at least some of the trails and obviously the rail trail. And yeah, knowing there's an app with the map on there, that's it's pretty key. <laughs> yeah. No, we don't actually own the rail trail. We do coordinate the volunteers that are out there keeping an eye on if trees are crossing it. They actually will sweep glass off if somebody's dropped a bottle from an overpassing road. They pick up dog dew. They do everything to make sure that the rail trail is pristine. So we work in concert with Albany County, who actually owns the trail to help maintain it and make it a great community asset. So it's been a really wonderful partnership. Also on your website, we see that folks at home can get involved through volunteering. What sorts of volunteer opportunities are there? So we have 37 miles of trail, like I mentioned, that we <laughs> maintain. We have a very small staff, so we only have about five and a half, six employees that work on a three-county region on 37 miles of trail to connect people to nature, but also protect the land. We're doing lots of things with a very small staff, and so we really rely on a strong cadre of volunteers. There's different levels of volunteerism. So if you live near a preserve and you want to, you know, kind of adopt it, you can become a preserve steward. So then you're walking the preserve on a weekly or a monthly basis and then providing feedback to our stewardship staff on what's happening on the trails. Is there a tree that's down after a recent storm? Do we need to get out there with chainsaw, that kind of thing? The other thing that folks will identify for us are things like you know, any hazards on the trail, but also is the trail system really working? Are people getting lost? How can we improve those trails? And we're always looking to do that to make sure that accessibility is easy and fun for everybody. So Preserve Steward's sort of the max, you know, really involved. We also have trail team volunteers. So throughout the summer months, we are working on our trails. So those things that can't just be done 
by the preserve stewards, we will schedule a larger day and bring in a whole group of people to do work. So one example of what we've been doing recently is at our Norman's Kill West Preserve. The entrance was very steep, but then also with a curve on it. And so in the wintertime, it was really hard to get down into on the preserve trails. And so we're installing right now, and it's, it's been a long process, and lots of people have helped us. So thank you for all those volunteers that have come out. But we're actually installing log framed stairs that are built into the hill as a way to provide stability for the entrance, but also much easier navigability, especially if you have issues with balance and those kinds of things. This kind of keeps everything flat, straight, so you're stepping down steps as opposed to this sort of curvy, slippery ramp. So we'll have a cadre of volunteers that'll come out several different times. We have a great stewardship coordinator that bring all the materials on site and help folks guide them in and making some of these big changes on our preserves for better access. We have lots of other ways. So if you're not into getting muddy and using power tools, that's a-okay with us. We also have a great connection to nature program that we do. So we have forest bathing hikes that we lead with certified forest bathers. We've done yoga outside. We have birding walks, plant walks, naturalist walks, which are we're kind of learning a little bit about everything around you. We've also done historical walks, looking at the landscape and sort of past use historically and how you can identify that on other properties. And then we've also done some really interesting things like outdoor wilderness survival, orienteering, how to orient with just a compass to make sure that you're not lost in the woods. And so all of those hikes are led by folks. If you have skills that you want to volunteer and lead a hike, we're happy to have that. And then we also need hike sweepers. So these are folks that go to the event, make sure the group stays together, and talks about MHLC, who we are, what we do, and kind of kicks off the day and introduces the hike leader. So that's another great way to get involved. And then we also have office opportunities. Those are a little, you know, fewer and far between, but if your thing is you want to help with the mailing, putting on stamps and return envelope things, we can totally get you involved in that as well. So we try to make sure we have a wide breadth based on everybody's comfort and ability level to be involved with our organization. That's a lot of opportunities. Yeah, Did you so, think of another? Go ahead. <laughs> uh, actually, a pull down where it says volunteer and you can fill out the form and let us know how you're interested in getting involved. And then that will send you to the right staff person who will follow up and contact you to get you ready to volunteer with us. So you can do it today. Nice. Do you take teen volunteers? I know like the Gilderland High School, they have to do a certain number of volunteer hours for graduation or National Honor Society, things like yeah, that. Yeah, it depends on what, what we have slated. Sometimes, you know, we may not have a project that's appropriate for that age level, but I would inquire and uh, we can kind of go from there. And I'm glad you shared how to get involved. That was going to be my next question is like, <laughs> if you're listening to this and you want to get involved, so just go to your website and there's drop down you said right there and yeah. then there's the form yep and i will say too that you know land protection is really the heart of what we do so ensuring that historical landscapes and our rural landscapes continue to look the way that they do and finding that balance between the natural environment and the built environment so we're not against development but we just want to make sure that the natural resources that are important to the region are protected. So there's ways to reach out to us too. If you have a piece of property, we're looking usually for stuff that's over 50 acres of open space that could be related to our priority areas. Those are also on the website. If you're interested in doing any land protection, you can get in touch with us as well. That's actually how our preserves come to be is we have landowners who are interested in 
you know, donating the property in rare instances will buy pieces of the property to create these preserves. Most of them have been donated by landowners. And it's been a really interesting process to get to 22 preserves over the three county region. So I think between talking to you today and we talked to Erin Keneal from the Pine Bush, Mm -hmm. um, a common thread is that people sometimes don't recognize what's in their own backyard, like right on their property. And I think it's really cool work to bring awareness to that and get people involved in preserving their own land. Yeah. And we've also had great partnership with the Albany Pine Bush because Sometimes the commission doesn't have the same flexibility a nonprofit does like we do. So we actually just protected a little over three acres of pine bush property this past spring. And eventually we will transition that from our ownership to the pine bush. So we've transferred properties over slowly over the years to add to that globally rare habitat, which is really exciting. That is really exciting. I like that. That leads us kind of into the next question. You said you're a nonprofit and you coordinate all these volunteers and you protect the 37 miles of trail and property. So where do you get your funding to do all these incredible things? We do a ton of grant writing to be able to get our funding. I will say that that is supplemental to the donations that we receive from the general public. So I would say our strongest donor base is that $35 a year membership. That's actually the core of our donors are folks who are families and friends who will donate $35 to us showing their support. So we have major donors too. Everybody's a major donor in my eyes though. If you're willing to give money, that's that's a significant thing. So we have a lot of private donations. We also work with foundations. We work with granting entities through state, occasionally federal dollars as well in order to cover not only our operating costs, but then to be able to fund our programming and some of our land protection work as well. So we've been very lucky to be, you know, a growing organization and having lots of public support. And I will give a shameless plug that if you are interested in giving to us, you can go on our website. One of the ways I give back to the organization as an employee is I actually do monthly giving, which is a new program we just started called our Evergreen Program. So it's a great way to budget if you are a homeowner, have student loan debt, you know, if you're Gen X, Gen Z, Gen Millennial, whatever, <laughs> when you have all these other things hanging over, it's a great way to budget and give a cert- just a little amount every month. And you can do that on our website as well, which is how I, I tend to give to the organization. There's lots of opportunities to give on our website too. So my shameless plug to support MHLC. <laughs> We will definitely put a link to the website and probably write to that become a member donate link in the show notes. So people can follow that link directly. Can you tell us about any upcoming events happening that people might be able to join in on? Absolutely. So one of the things that's happening right now is our annual scavenger hunt. During the pandemic, we started this. We used to gather people for our, our summer hackathon. We couldn't during the pandemic. So what we decided to do was a scavenger hunt that was self-led. We started with gnomes. You had to go to each preserve. There's tw- there were 22 gnomes hidden on each, you know, one on each preserve. And Stewart's has generously donated ice cream scoops. So if you register on our website and you find a critter in the woods, this year we're doing woodland creatures on the path. So foxes, mm-hmm. raccoons, beaver. These have all been hand-painted by volunteers. They're small wooden oh. cut-ins. If you go to our website and register for the summer hackathon scavenger hunt, you'll get information so that we actually have little clues for each preserve. 
like a little limerick that will tell you how to find the creature. And you'll know it's there because we have a little placard that you can actually use a QR code and send us your selfie or your ussy, you and your family. And then you will get free ice cream scoops at Stewart's. It's a really great event every year. We've done a different theme and we're doing it this year also in conjunction with Art on the Rail Trail, who is doing fantastical creatures. So I was actually on the rail trail this morning and saw one of the dragons over the Bly Creek Bridge, which was really cute. So there's some really neat creatures. The ones on the rail trail are fantastical. So there's dragons, there's all kinds of interesting things. And then on our preserves, we have more of the classic creatures that you would normally see in the woods. Either way, it's a great time for the family and friends to get out and find a little creature in the woods. That sounds fun. (laughs) Yeah, that does sound fun. Now, as of July 14th, we have over 500 people have registered to go and do the scavenger hunt. And there are a couple other events upcoming, if you don't mind, I just love to plug. We have Indigenous Stories of the Lands. We talked a little bit about Indigenous engagement at the beginning of the podcast. And so on Sunday, July 23rd at one o'clock at our Strawberry Fields Nature Preserve, and you can find these details on our website, we will have a traditional storyteller and cultural educator, Perry Brown, coming, and he's going to provide some Indigenous stories. He's a member of the Turtle Clan and the Onondaga Nation, been telling stories for 25 years as a way to educate about the culture, benefits, and the history of the Haudenosaunee Confederacy. So very exciting. We had scheduled him earlier this year, and now we also have our rain location, the Amsterdam Veterans Pavilion. So if you do register for that, we'll let you know we're going to be at Strawberry Fields or the Veterans Pavilion in Amsterdam and provide you with directions and all of that to have a successful day out. The other event that I want to plug really quickly is on August 5th, we're doing forest bathing with Ebony LaBru. Forest bathing originated as a, a Japanese practice. And trees actually are putting oxygen in the atmosphere. So when you're sitting in a forest, you're actually getting heightened levels of oxygen into your system, which is really good for your body. And so certified forest bathers like Ebony walk you through what it's like to do forest bathing, but also experiencing nature in a very different way. It's quiet, slow paced, you know, noticing how the breeze feels on your face or the sunlight, closing your eyes, listening using all the different senses to explore nature in this very kind of quiet way. Forest bathing is really incredible, and I encourage folks to get on our website and register for that as well. So that's August 5th at 10 a.m., and that's at our Fisher Trail, which is in partnership with the Five Rivers Education Center right off of Fisher Boulevard there in Sutherland. So you've got something for every age and sort of ability, interest level, families, kids, older folks. Love it. This for everyone. Maybe that should be the episode title. Nature is for everyone. <laughs> Do you have a favorite quirky fact about the Mohawk Hudson Land Conservancy or any of your preserves or anything you wish to plug or share that we didn't cover? That is such a good question. I think one of the, there are a couple quirky things when I first started working here a while ago that I noticed that make our preserves, I think, quirky and fun. We have a Bennett Hill Preserve in Clarksville, which is very popular. And one of the things that people go there to see is the bathtub. So Bennett Hill is a large hill that you climb up, and it's actually a bathtub on the trail with water that flows through it that was placed there eons ago. And it's something that people go to that 
preserved to look for. The other thing is, and this is, you know, our board of directors over the years and our volunteers, they'll bring these interesting talents to us. And one of the things that they brought was this idea of musical bridges. So we have some at Kalahari Preserve, Normanskill West. There are a few others out there. I'll let people explore and figure out where they are. These are PVC pipes that you can actually play almost like a pan flute. So you just kind of tap on these vertical PVC pipes and you can play songs on them. The original bridge, though, which I think is super fascinating, the original musical bridge is located at Wolf Creek Falls Preserve in Altamont. This bridge is actually the planks of the decking of the bridge were hollowed out like you would see almost in like a church organ, you know, how they kind of hollow it out different, they take it over different pieces of the wood to narrow it or make it bigger to change the tone. So you actually step on a platform off of the bridge and there's a mallet and you actually play the floorboards of the bridge and it's a musical bridge. So we have some interesting quirky things to get you outside exploring nature. Most of our musical bridges are on our preserved maps that you can find online. So if you want to go see what they look like, it's easy to click on the map and see where the musical bridge is. Put the map app on your phone and then you'll know how to get there. That's super cool. Do you know how long that Altamont Bridge has been there? It has been there for a long time. Dan Driscoll, who was one of our founding members, was the architect. He passed away, unfortunately, in 2015. And we have been trying to maintain that bridge. Every year we look at it, we're like, how do we recreate this? It's so amazing to actually have the boards hollowed on the bottom so that it has a perfect scale. So if anybody has some musical talents and wants to try to recreate that, we'd love to talk to you. <laughs> because the, the bridge has been there for a while and we're always afraid like oh if catastrophe happens you know how are we going to recreate it because uh, that's one of a kind that's the only bridge we have on all of our preserves that that has that very cool feature so i mean the bathtub sounds cool too <laughs> it, it, i would i would visit that yeah it's very cool yeah is there anything else you want to share with us or plug you know i think that getting outside and being in nature does more than just get your body moving, get the blood flowing, but there's something a little spiritual about it, you know, kind of the worries of the day or the week can kind of float away. You're out and about moving your body and it helps you think about other things. And I just encourage people to, to get outside for their health and wellness. You know, it's something we've all focused on a lot more since the pandemic and we provide so many different ways locally to do that for you. So make time. For yourself take care of yourself and do a little self-care and get outside well said well thank you guys for the opportunity to be a part of this podcast and we are going to be doing a presentation at the gilderland library right upcoming the presentation at the library will be on august 1st so if you're listening to this podcast you can sign up for that talk we'll be talking more about who we are what we do at that presentation giving you some visuals via powerpoint and some other people that you can connect to our stewardship coordinator is actually doing that talk marshall lefevre who is a wealth of knowledge and not only about trails but he is a botanophile so he loves plants and he's really good at invasive species identification and all things He's a total nature nut. So it's a great presentation. So be sure to check that one out too. That's excellent. 
thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you guys. It's a great opportunity and I'm so happy to meet you both. Yeah, so great to meet you. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> July's book review is for the book Black Cake by Charmaine Belkerson. This is one of our summer reading titles. If you choose to read this book, you could write a review and um, come to our Books Under the Stars program to talk about it. Anyway, Black Cake is a fantastic family story. It instantly takes you in and you will live in the time and space of the characters. It's an incredible story of love and friendship. Um, it's one of those books that when you try to describe it to someone, they're kind of like, this sounds like too much. This sounds unbelievable. But the author does a great job of drawing you in and making it all very grounded and very realistic and just wonderful. <laughs> anyway, that was Black Cake by Charmaine Wilkerson. Well, that's the end of this episode of How Did You Find It at the Gilderland Library. Thank you for listening. If you uh, like the show, please rate it and review it wherever you listen to this podcast. Also, tell a friend. You know, rating and reviewing in your, your podcast app helps friends you don't know find the show. You know, we want people to listen. <laughs> if you have ideas or suggestions or questions, please email us at podcast at gilderlandlibrary.org. Thank you for listening.